and welcome back to another episode of the Flight School Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Turner Medlicott, joined here as always by my co-host, Adrian Walker, and back this week, Jonah Lasaya. Oh my goodness. Oh hey. no, what are you doing? We've got to re-rack that. That's so No, we're not re-racking no, no, it. Absolutely he's a, not. He, he's the brave span. Why would he ever get a Native American <laughs> last name right? Oh boy, Turner! We've been doing it for how many weeks? This is this is half a year now. We're like twenty six weeks in. Clearly, clearly, I mean, I, one set. One, I leave for one second. He already forgets about one week, and I'm, I'm already too good for him. Apparently. Well, uh, oh well, Jonah Lossie, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Like you, I just finished reading the American pageant to get, you know, all of the uh, sources from my history. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm feeling great, Mr. M- uh, Coot. Um Oh, jeez. Yeah, but, uh, I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> Adrian, how about you? Yeah, how about you over there? I mean, I didn't forget who Jonah was in one week. So uh, I feel like I'm doing a little bit better than you are, but... Um, no, it's, I, I tweeted this earlier or last week. It's Christmas for me. Um, the NBA playoffs are my favorite time of year. So ready to get into it, ready to get started. Me too, especially so I can move past my, my ultimate blunder and recompose myself. Uh, but before we get into, why don't you ask your new friend Jonah, what his finals predictions? I, I will, I I will ask Mr. Mr. Lossie over there. Uh, to to give us his his quick uh, finals prediction since he wasn't able to be there last week. Um, my predictions. Um, I don't. I mean, I I know. I I you guys would ask me about it before. Um, I I have to give you my sunshine picks and then my estimated picks. My I my my sadness and my depression that creeps in every time I go to bed at night, that is thinking it's going to be the Lakers. Um, I'm th- probably something horrible. Like, I don't even know who in the East. Uh, Lakers I Nets. Would I mean, be let's the just say Lakers, ever. Lakers Nets would be pretty terrible. That would be awful. I mean, either way, best case scenario, it's Sun Sixers because I'm a huge Chris Paul fan as has been established uh, on the show. Um, obviously being a 76ers fan, that would be magical. I'd honestly love Suns Nets as well, because those are like kind of opposites. And as much as I, you know, don't really want the Nets to win this time, I genuinely do really like them a lot. Like I'm always kind of a fan of the villains of the league. A lot of the time I I love (laughs) Kevin Durant. I like Kyrie a lot and I love James Harden. Like those are three of my favorite players in the league. So I'm I'm happy with them winning it. Really, as I'm sure 99% of fans can attest to, as long as the Lakers lose to the Suns, I'm going to be very, very happy. Um, so that's all I really got. That makes for, two of uh, us. I guess my, my formal say- picks, I would probably say, just for my heart of hearts, I'll say Suns Sixers because I think as the Bucks look amazing and the Nets are going to be really hard to beat. Joel Embiid has been the best player in the league this year, and I think – there is no team that can match the 76ers in terms of one-to-one defense mixed with team defense. And you need that when these games start slowing down. The Sixers are the only team in the NBA that can go one-to-one with every team in the league. 
Like they got somebody for somebody in every matchup. Now, offensively, that means they're in a bit of a pickle, but I think that defense could shine through and I think they could definitely push for making the finals this year. Well, it's funny because uh, the team that's on your sunshine pick is on my my realist pick from last week. I had, my sunshine pick was Lakers Bucks. My realist pick was was Suns Bucks. So it'll be interesting to see which one of us is right, which one of us is sad, which one of us is is happy. Um, but I can tell you well, I, right now. Oh, go ahead, Jonah. Oh, I was just saying. I mean, I, I'm friends with people who still don't know my name, so I'm always sad. So that's gonna be. <laughs> <you know. laughs> Well, I, I was just gonna say to to transition into the the weekend's game. I can tell you, as to no one's surprise, that I am not happy about uh, Anthony Davis and his well lack thereof uh, playoff game uh, in game one. But two. You mean the you mean the player that's better than Tim Duncan? Yeah, that was blasphemous when that came out. That was people who were saying that clearly knew nothing about basketball because or were born in like 2005. So, but Adrian, I got to I got to give you credit. You you talked about it a lot in the last pod. The Lakers are going to go as far as AD takes them. It's not as far as AD takes them, but it's as far as LeBron can shoulder plus at least some help from Anthony Davis. Currently, Le- Anthony Davis is playing like maybe the fifth best player on the Lakers right now. And you need him to be at least the second best player, if not the first best player on any given night. So um, my expectation coming in was that Anthony Davis was going to underperform. I didn't expect 13 points and seven rebounds um, and to get absolutely dominated by DeAndre Ayton um, in, in game one. But I, that, that was kind of where I, expected it to fall and i haven't been wrong up to this point but i also feel like anthony davis is kind of priming himself for one massive game this series whether that ends up with the lakers winning the whole series or not i don't know but i feel like some explosive game is coming well one point on that game is the fact that well anthony davis was atrocious and he deserves to be bragged on but okay the best player in the league in everyone's book it would seem is lebron james and he's shoots under 50 percent. no one on the team has 20 points all i'm saying is my goat would never that's all i'm saying fair fair enough but what was so weird to me about anthony davis was that um literally what Two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, against the very same team, he let you know DeAndre Ayton absolutely bully him into into uh, complete just you know uh, nothingness. I guess can't even find the word to describe what he did against the Suns. But two and a half weeks ago, he dropped uh, what 42. was it, forty two points on the Suns and looked like peak Anthony Davis and pushed that team around and I don't think they did much of anything different in guarding him I just think he looked like LeBron looked completely disengaged from game one of that series which I just don't understand I get that maybe you have confidence from last year that you'll figure things out but like this isn't last year the Lakers are the seven seed the Lakers are playing 
not in the bubble where home court advantage actually is going to mean something as fans continue to return in mass to, to these stadiums. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. It was really frustrating. I'm not going to panic yet because it's only game one. We'll know more after, well, this podcast is recorded tonight. Um, but I'm, you know, my pick of the Suns to the finals so far after game one seems like it, it might be coming to fruition against my against my best wishes. There is something that I want to say. Um, I while the Anthony Davis prediction was kind of something I felt was fairly expected. Like not I'm not the only one who had that take. My the the thing that I feel like I was really proud about is Michael Bridges was legit in game one. That was my X factor for this series. And I would say LeBron looked less disengaged than Anthony Davis did. LeBron was engaged, but Michael Bridges was all over him. Um, and if he can, I like I said, you can't stop LeBron per se, but if you can slow him down, which 18 points, seven rebounds, five assists, that is slowing down LeBron. Absolutely. Um, that will that that will be a big gauge as to whether or not the Suns can continue to succeed uh, moving forward in this series. I will never shut up about that being one of the biggest boneheaded plays I've ever seen by a team in the draft. I Bridges was one of the best picks I could have imagined the Sixers making for their style and their <laughs> attitude and everything. And they sent him away for Zaire Smith. And I just... It pains me to this day. I don't understand it. I didn't understand it at the time. I was everyone's like, "What did you see, Zaire dunk?" I was like, "What? How do we? How do we have to talk about just dunking doesn't translate?" I mean, hell, Victor Oladipo would be the best player in the league. Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm sick of it. But I, I'll never forget that. I'm, I'm gonna bring it up every time I hear Michael Bridges because it makes me sad. Understandably so. Uh, yeah and uh no he he did that and i guess we should we should also get to the the point of that game that got into utter ridiculousness which was the i mean for well first we had the the chris paul scare and i was gonna be so so upset if that was a serious injury i haven't heard anything since it looks like it was just a stinger but then we had the lebron stinger thing followed by the skirmish between I don't know I was laughing just because I was like what is what is Alex Caruso doing bucking up with anybody in the league like that man just kind of needs to sit down uh and then you had Montrezl Harrell trying to be big brother coming in there and then all that happens and I don't know that that was just such a point and then you had of course as I'm sure Adrian you want to talk about it and Jonah I don't know how much you cared about it but LeBron's antics surrounding that entire thing do you think like what what do we even make of that what what happens going forward with that well the thing that just pisses me off is that LeBron this especially just the end of this year whether it was leading up to the playoffs or in game one specifically I, there was uh someone I forget who it was someone tweeted out the video of the skirmish um, from when it started at the free throw line with Chris Paul pulling LeBron down, whether you think he actually pulled him down or LeBron flopped his way to the ground, it's up to you. But then 
the skirmish took place. And as the skirmish was breaking up, LeBron stood up, moved himself from where he was lying in the ground, lying on the ground over to where the skirmish had just been happening and placed himself in front of the cameras and then kneeled back down and started holding his shoulder again. You can call it coincidence. You can call it whatever you want. It felt like it felt really just it felt like LeBron had an agenda to show that, look, I'm not the same player that I was or if we lose this series, it's because I'm out of my prime. Or I don't know. It just feels like that storyline's being built by LeBron through antics and postgame pressers and whatever you whatever whatever you want to say. Um, and it just pisses me off because I just want to see playoff basketball. I don't need excuses or storylines. Um, just let the let the game do the talking. If you lose, you lose. And I, let's I, be real, LeBron is one of the most infamous floppers in NBA history. Oh, Derrick Rose has brought him to his knees. You know, <laughs> multiple people have sent him to the ER only for him to be dunking five seconds later. I. It's what LeBron does. I was not mad because guess what? That's what I expect out of LeBron. This is what you get with him. He is that is the type of leader he is. He is an amazing leader overall, but part of his persona is working the ref, talking to them kind of way. He is a bit of a baby when it comes to that kind of stuff. No, Chris Paul could not throw him to the ground. <laughs> yes, he was prepared that, to get boxed out. He was shooting a free throw. Guess what happens when you shoot free throws? You box out. And guess what? LeBron's used to that because he's not a very good free throw shooter. So I don't – the whole situation was a little embarrassing to me, um, especially after, you know, Chris Paul went down himself and it did not look good. I think it's just kind of ridiculous. And even if LeBron was hurt, guess what? He wouldn't have been acting like that. That's not how someone acts when they're actually hurt. No. And, and surprisingly, Jonah, I'm completely with you here. I think for an entirely different reason, just because I was so frustrated with the Lakers' performance in that game that I was like, what are y'all doing? Why? Like, we need to prove it on the court. We're the veteran team in this situation. Yeah, Chris Paul brings a lot of veteran leadership to that Suns team, but that Suns team is young, and most of those guys don't have playoff experience. If you're the Lakers, you should be, you know, you should be, mashing down the gas pedal you should be showing them that it don't matter that you were the second best team in the west in the regular season this is the playoffs you're facing a different beast and that hasn't happened um and so all this other antics i don't think serves to show them that it only just serves to make a big fuss about losing and i just i don't care about that to be quite honest so i'm hoping they turn my i would say for my football fans out there my Real football, not the NFL. Um, it reminded me of watching Brazil and being the most talented team in the world and them just having an off day and getting their butt whooped. And what's Neymar doing? Neymar is rolling on the damn ground. It's like, dude, you you are maybe a top three player in the world. Why are you on the floor so much? I don't get it. And that's kind of what LeBron reminded me of. It's like, yeah, you probably have gotten knocked a few times. You wouldn't be literally crying <laughs> On, on the ground if that was the case and that's honestly what it reminded me of a lot because it's that kind of antics that just really gets under my skin because you're too yeah. good yep. for that yeah and i and that's why i'm hoping that the next time that we talk about the lakers next week 
whether they get swept or they make it a, a series or something in between. I'm hoping that we actually talk about the more of the basketball side of things and less of that because that's that's just that's not what should we we should be talking about in this series. It should be entertaining. It should be Devin Booker absolutely balling out and and stuff like that. But moving on to the other side of the LA coin, uh, the Clippers um, also lost their first game against the Mavs. Um, Adrian had some pretty hot takes about the result of that series and the NBA finals run um, himself last week. But I'll start with you, Jonah. What do you think um, the Mavs realistic chances are in this series? Do you think they have, are they, going to upset the Clippers or was this just um, people kind of, you know, memeing on the Clippers again because they lost game one? It's really easy to be on the Clippers and they have not shown really, I mean, they haven't proven one ounce that they deserve to be in this spot because I genuinely think at their best, they can beat anybody in the league. I, I genuinely believe that. Um, also, I think the Mavericks, are a classic uh, team of a of, of a, a revving sports car where they yeah of course they're gonna smack you in the mouth. I don't think they have the legs. I don't think Luca is that kind of guy quite yet in terms of like oh, he's amazing. He's a superstar. He's an All NBA player. I don't think he's in a almost single handedly carry this team because as good as the team can play, they I don't think they have the consistency to beat clippers in seven games i think it could go i think it genuinely could go seven but i don't see the mavericks actually making it all the way through in this series the the thing you're forgetting though is that that we're talking about the clippers like the clippers might self-destruct themselves into a into a mavs series win that's the that's the key difference here i think i think that that is part of it but i think there's too much experience and talent I think it could be a very. I think it could be damn near identical to last year. I think the Clippers could get their crap together, beat the Mavericks, and then probably self-destruct next round. I think they're honestly too talented. They have two genuine All NBA wings, and I think they'll be able to right the ship. I don't. After losing that game, that doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but it does severely dock my expectations for them if they were that serious as embarrassing as last playoffs was i expected them to get out and maybe gentlemen sweep the mavericks and they just don't look very good and um i think this this team has second round out all written all over it again unfortunately that's see that's the clippers mo yeah the <laughs> the only the only thing I, i'll disagree with there is I think the the second round matchup coming out of um, coming out of this Mavs Clippers series, I think whoever wins this this series has a very easy second round matchup. Um, I personally believe if they somehow if the Grizz, Grizzlies somehow get to the second round, there's no way they make it to the third. They, there's no way they make it to the Western Conference Finals. If Utah makes it out, it's because they'll have righted the ship. But the Clippers have beautiful matchups um for for the utah series so i just i i am hesitant because it is the clippers but if they make it out of this round i cannot i I just don't see them losing next round um the problem is they 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 have a tendency tendency to self-implode we've seen it before um and Luca's honestly, I think Luca is good enough to take 
this series in six if the Clippers don't get it together in game two and game three. So, my, yeah, my I think thing we, is uh, uh, what I was sorry. What I was gonna say is my, my thing is yes, I agree. But we saw that you know this is what the Clippers did last time. They had to like fight through, and I had the same reaction as you did this year, last year. It's like if they get it together, they can handle the Nuggets. And this is you right. know because the Nuggets are better this year, I think. And you know I I. And it was the same sort of thing. And they just could not stop Jamal Murray. Now there won't be Jamal Murray this time. But I don't think I don't think the clips are really that good. And it's really frustrating because I think they should be. They were my – I think they were my finals pick last year. I, I genuinely mm-hmm. thought they were that good. And I don't think that's anything different this time. And it's just looking very similar. Well, what – what? sorry, I'll, I'll let you talk in a second, Turner. What I think is, is kind of crazy – is I would say the Clippers are a lot more talented this year than they were last year. Adding Rondo is is something you can't understate. I think playoff Rondo is a very real thing, um, and I think he could genuinely kind of take the Clippers by their bootstraps and kind of get them together. But um, I just – this team is exceptionally talented. I was telling – or I was talking to Turner before we started recording um, that this team – like top to bottom is probably the most talented team in the league. If you, if you just look at not only their starters, but their depth, they just got Serge Ibaka back. Um, they, they've at, they added Rondo at the trade deadline, like at full strength, this Clippers team should be pretty much everybody, but I don't trust Ty Lue as a head coach. I don't trust Paul George as a second option. And honestly, Kawhi hasn't been very promising as a first option ever since he's gotten in LA. So I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to predict the Clippers because they should be great and they just haven't been. So well, my problem with them too, is you say how talented they are. I agree. They have some names in there, but when, I mean, when I run up and down the roster, I don't like Nick Batum. <laughs> Maybe Nick Batum has been, he's been great this year. He I understand been. it, but he's been he's great. been a loser for half of his career, if not not, not oh he's not on winning teams. He has been a loser. Like he has made teams worse for years. As as a quick I don't aside, like Nick Batum. As a quick aside about Nick Batum, I forgot to mention this after I went to the Hornets game. But the most hilarious thing about being at the Hornets game a couple of weeks ago was the fact that the crowd heavily booed that man anytime he touched the ball. Which was just as they the should, mo- as they should, stole like a hundred million dollars from them. Of course, yeah. Why wouldn't you? It was um, just. And the other thing is, you have a. You, I'd say the other thing with the Clippers is you have a player, a starter that is damn near unplayable at times, and that's Zubats. You can't have a damn near unplayable starter. That and that's that's an issue. That is a severe issue for a winning team. The center is an important position this year with the likes of Jokic and Gobert and over in the Eastern Conference, Embiid. You got some, and the Lakers, even with Anthony Davis, you got some monsters that play the four and five positions, and they don't have the defensive adept to handle the post. And I think that could also be their downfall because now that's not the it, that's not the end all be all because they have two of the top five wing defenders in the league, but it's just, I don't think they're balanced as talented as they are. I agree. They are immensely talented. I don't think they're very balanced as a team. 
the the last thing that I'll say about this series is I don't know exactly what we'll see tonight, but if I'm the Clippers and I'm Kawhi Leonard, I'm guarding Luca the entire game or nearly the entire game. Because Pat like Luca was what four or five minutes into game one and he backed down Patrick Beverly for a bucket and then looked at him and said, You're too effing small. Like that's not gonna cut it. And if you're Kawhi and you're supposed to be one of these great defenders, I feel like he's got to take on the challenge of guarding the 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 guy that's gonna tear the Clippers apart if they if they don't bottle him up. Yeah, and I mean the Clippers have the defensive versatility where they can switch off from Kawhi to Paul George to Markeith Morris to whoever. But honest, I'm in agreement. Honestly, every time Paul George tries to check luca it ends badly um if i'm Kawhi, i take that matchup head on prove that you're the better player in the series and if i mean if, if Kawhi outplays luca the clippers win most games exactly exactly and i think that's what it's got to come down to i know you want to use Kawhi on offense as your first option but i feel like your gains from sticking him on luca on defense primarily are going to offset your your offensive you know, hopefully Paul George could could step up and fill that gap, but that's that's to be seen. Um, but you know, speaking of guys uh, stepping up and, and coming back in and taking on the challenge ahead, um, Donovan Mitchell seems a little bit more than a tad upset about not being able to play in that game one for the Jazz. Um, I personally, you know, we saw those headlines today. I personally don't think it means much as far as the Jazz organization or confidence or chemistry levels are. Um, but, I mean, what do, you, what do y'all think? Do y'all think he has a point? Do y'all think they made the right move in game one? What do, you, what do y'all make of that situation? I think it's stupid for him to speak up, and I think it's just immensely immature. Now, I, you you take that up with your coach. You take that up with your training staff. You don't go to the media and complain about not playing whenever. Do you really think anyone in the Utah Jazz organization said, yeah, let's bench our best player for the playoffs? It's a good idea. No one said that. No one ever, They said if we, want, if we want to have a damn chance at getting past the first round at getting past the second round or God forbid making, you know, the Western conference or finals finals. I mean, they're going to need him hundred percent. We've talked about time and time again, the jazz are not that good in terms of overall star power and they desperately need star power. And as we see, we take away their one star and they lose to the worst team in the playoffs. It's frustrating to me that a star player has so little wherewithal about how media handles situations like this, because he is too good and too important to the league and to the jazz to be making clown little comments like that. Anyway, that's my opinion. I, I back you up. Um, I, I'm with you 100%. I very much like Donovan Mitchell, not only as a player, but as an individual. Um, so I was a bit embarrassed for him, honestly, whenever he, whenever it kind of broke that he would, that they, that he was upset with how the jazz handled everything. Um, you don't, I just I personally think you don't come out and you don't disagree with how what your coaching staff and what your management are saying. Um, if and if you're having discussions already behind the scenes, like why 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 what's the point in speaking up to the media 
about how you're feeling um, and what you think. So the Jazz should win this series. I went a little hot um, prior to the the series starting. I decided I was going to pick Utah in seven. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see if they will right the ship quickly or if it's going to take them a couple games, which I think it might. Um, because Donovan Mitchell, if we're being honest, uh, it might take him as an inconsistent guard already. It might take him a couple games to find a stroke. And as the, as we said, they need star power. And if their stars providing not, um, efficient basketball, they could struggle. And this, the, let, let's not just disc, let's not discount how good this Grizzlies team is playing right now. The Grizzlies beat the Warriors and rightfully so they are the better team to challenge the jazz than the Warriors were. Um, and, and that can't be understated. They're young and they're hungry. And Dylan Brooks is playing out of his damn mind. You mean evil, uh, <laughs> evil, evil Danny, Danny Green? Green. Danny Green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that can't. John Morant was out to prove something and looks out to prove something and has already garnered a ton of respect, I think, across the league. Um, it's just being one of those hungry players that's going to will their team to success. Um, Dylan Brooks is becoming a, a villain as as we just described so i think they're going to be a tough out for the jazz but i'm with you guys you know i i'm less upset at, at, at mitchell for speaking out but i think the jazz yeah even if you need to rest him for game two like that's fine we're talking about a guy that gave you uh 250 pieces last playoffs like if he needs some more time to get back to 100 percent before you put him in you take that risk because I think if you stretch the series out, but you get him back, then I think you're fine. He's more rested. He's more ready to face a Clippers or Mavs team. That is going to be a weird matchup, I think for this jazz team. So I'm with you on that. Um, But I'm very interested to see how many more games that the Grizzlies can steal from them before this is all said and done. I mean, and honestly, i Went on a bit of rant, talk, a bit of a rant talking about Donovan Mitchell, but really the person I wanted to talk to going in, into this is Ja Morant. Holy hell! Like he has had the ultimate dog persona, and he has just shut up and played basketball and just kicked ass yes. <laughs> for three games. I have been outstandingly impressed by Ja Morant. Not, you know, and some of it you could say is luck here and there. He's just gaming. He's doing what he's not doing what he normally does. He's defying his own statistics. He's just balling and he's leading. And it's exactly what you want out of a second year player. And it's something that we really wish we could have seen out of Zion. And honestly, that's why I wanted Zion in the playoffs is because I thought he had it and Jaw didn't. I was dead wrong. John Morant is a dog. And I'm, I think this is unbelievable experience for him whether he's on the Grizz in five years, wherever, this is going to set him up for a successful playoff career. At least I would really hope so. Yep, I agree. Dare I say it, I think he he could become a fantastic face of that organization for the next five to ten years. I mean, I know it's a little early, but like... He should be. No, I mean, he should be, and that's what they drafted him for. You draft someone second overall, and like a very clear second overall pick, like yeah, that's the guy. That's why you do that. You don't do that because you you hope he's a good role player. You know that works. He's out supposed to be the guy, him, but yeah, 
he is the guy and he was supposed to be the guy that's why he was rookie of the year you know and it's why this that and the other like he's a damn good ball player and he was a bit of a risk sure but i mean he is an alpha and in order to be a leader you kind of have to have that alpha mentality and he has put it on full display and it's not come off as just like annoying or corny like we see a lot of the time um it's re- it kind of reminds me while we're talking about that in this in this matchup kind of reminded me of rookie donovan mitchell when he came into the playoffs and shut a lot of people up took a game against the rockets and you were like oh shit <laughs> this guy is is for real and it reminds me of that a lot except for more impressive because he went up head to head against steph curry and he went head to head against yep. you know to even make the playoffs that is a lot of gall out of a young man really yep. really impressed by jaw Absolutely. I'm also really impressed uh, by why the Bucks have done so far. I guess to close out the, the biggest stories of the, of the playoffs so far, um, they fought a tough game in that first game in overtime. Middleton hit a shot that we were l- looking for him to hit. Maybe not a shot specifically, but we were looking for him to be that guy from Milwaukee. He was that guy in game one, and then they just absolutely obliterated the heat in game two. Um, I think it would be very interesting if they steal game three in, in, uh, Miami, because I think if that happens then it's, then it might be a sweeper. No, it's not gonna be a sweep. There's Jimmy Butler on the other side, but like a gentleman sweep, which I think would be huge for the bucks going forward, because if you're the bucks and you get out of this heat series and only five games, your chances against the Brooklyn. Nets is a lot um, bigger yep <laughs> lot lot bigger so the fact that they're up 2-0 right now you know things could change you know the series aren't really shifted in one team's favor until you went on the road um but if they go up 3-0 um i'd be pretty impressed and feel pretty good about their chances as, as my final to pick on on that side too um one thing i i, I do feel like we should talk about what in the world was that 10 seconds call on, on Giannis? I have, I swear to God, I've never actually seen that call live before in my entire life. I mean, I haven't seen it live either. And it felt, it felt a little, it, it was a little unnerving to me because it is the first time I have seen it called live and you're doing it in a pressure situation in a playoff game nonetheless but I mean the the Bucks were they they brought uh, or attention had been brought to it um, by the Heat staff and and they had made Giannis aware that look we will call this if you continue to go over 10 seconds and if you're aware and you still do it that's kind of, that's on Giannis so no it's um, definitely on Giannis but it also it's like the most Chris Paul foul call i've ever seen like the other teams like hey 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 there's this technicality in the rule book you should definitely call it on this guy because you're, you're technically supposed to so like i mean props to the heat but like it was it just reminded me of chris paul and all the times that he's been like like the time i forget who he was facing with the time he like got a technical call on the guy whose shirt jersey was untucked like it's just one of those things right. where you're like i didn't even realize that was a rule um, you got to know, the but, rule. I mean, how many brilliant times do we see 
you got there's rules for a reason now some of them can be exploited and they're stupid i mean that's like the first person to figure out the hack shack god damn you like that's <laughs> I, I hate it but um i mean th there's a reason it's in and again they wouldn't call it out of the blue it wasn't like one of the guarantee you know as adrian mentioned they they warned him and you know what? Shame on Giannis, because there's a reason he shoots under 70% from free throw. And that's probably damn part of it. Because if you take forever to shoot your free throws, it, it gives you more time to think about it, more time to change your form going up to it. Giannis needs to be better at shooting free throws, so maybe he should, shouldn't take 15 damn seconds to shoot each shot. It's, it, honestly, yeah, it's one of the most confusing and least clutch things i've ever seen mixed with you know the the missed free throws the free throw violations the whole shebang it was a miracle they won it after that honestly the big thing that i want to talk about from that from the first couple of games is how good drew holiday looks um because i've been waiting for a long time to see drew holiday in significant playoff minutes and he is not disappointed to be in the slightest and <laughs> Saw something funny that uh, on Twitter was Drew Holiday makes an impact by not being Eric Bledsoe. Um, but well, like, and that's the other thing. I think that's what's so funny is you talk about. I think playoff Drew Holiday's a thing because we just we talk, I mentioned it earlier and we've all talked about it. Playoff slowdown. You need defense, and playoff defense is so much different than regular season defense. It's when yep. you start to see the all NBA players and you see why they are that caliber. I think Drew Holiday is that all defensive kind of player. In regular season, you're just not going to see that as much. And yep. meanwhile, Bledsoe is more of the stat guy, but you could just tell by his size and his quickness and his, his style of athleticism. Yeah, he's probably not going to be a playoff guy. And it's brilliant that you get to see the direct contrast between playoff styles and back-to-back -back years. I mean, that's, it's on full display. You're perfectly right there. Y'all want to know? I, I want to bring up one more thing. Um, Drew Holiday shut down Damian Lillard for an entire series. Like, put him on locks. You don't do that by accident, not for a whole series. So, I, ever since I saw that, ever since I witnessed that, because, I mean, we've seen how good Dame is, especially in the playoffs. Like ever since I witnessed that, I have a full a whole new respect for Drew Holiday, and seeing him in a Bucks uniform in the playoffs has like, it's given me goosebumps. It makes me very, very, very happy. I knew that guy was gonna have a good series as soon as he was talking smack to the Heat about how this wasn't gonna be last year and all this stuff, despite not even being on the Bucks last year like he like took this series personally and it shows how he's elevating his game in the playoffs it's awesome to see him do this on a title contender and i know that like the game last night was super lopsided um and plus minuses can be deceiving but y'all want to know what his plus minus was oh yeah throw it out there it was, it was plus 37 <laughs> To be fair, I think that was all the starters. It felt like because I know yeah, it was, probably like, good. Good lord! Like I, I looked up and I don't remember a time. I think the lowest I saw the score was twenty two because I was like a few minutes late into the game and it was just like already a thirty point game. And I was like, "Good god! Like what? What is going on?" Yeah, no, it, that it was, was annihilation. It was one of those games where I was like, "Oh, I thought it 
start it started at 7 30 i started started at eight what's the score oh it's already a 30 point lead by the end of the first quarter well guess i'm guess i'm not gonna watch that tonight then like it was it was one of those games but uh before we leave the playoffs before we leave that series i think now after what i've seen i'm already gonna take the bucks in five y'all think the the heat are gonna make this more of a series or or are they gonna get a gentleman sweep I, it's going to be impressive if they win a game. I mean, now I say that they should have won game one. They should have now, but I don't think you just step back for something like this. I'm saying it will. I expect them to win a game, but it will be impressive if they win a game at this point. I expect a gentleman sweep myself. I think I predicted Bucks and five prior to the series starting. I'm still staying Bucks and five. Well, there we go. Weirdly all, all in agreement. Um, but we're going to have lots more to talk about as far as the playoffs uh, and the and the series are concerned, especially after the, the next week. We'll be pretty much in the thick of it. We might have some series that are actually all wrapped up by the time we record next week. Um, but there was a, a little bit more of NBA news that dropped uh, in the past week that we should run through really quickly. Um, first has been, you know, NBA awards. Some of them have begun to be announced uh, to no one's surprise. Uh, Jordan Clarkson got six men of the year um, and just announced like 10 minutes ago, Julius Randall got most improved player. We talked about how all of us knew that was coming, um, but it was so cool to see, especially yesterday with uh, Joe Ingles giving Jordan Clarkson his six men of the year trophy. That was, that was a cool moment. And, and both of those are solid, uh, solid guys. So it, it was awesome to see that. Yeah, I don't think there's much to talk about here. It's who we expected to win it. Um, I think these were the two most obvious awards. And um, I'm more in, I'm more intrigued about who's going to win Coach of the Year, who's going to win um, MVP. Yeah. I mean, we expect Jokic to win MVP, but I'm still curious. Um, absolutely. And, but shout out and, to those guys for what they've done this season. Oh, season. absolutely. Uh, the more important news and what will be intriguing – after the playoffs, especially for Adrian and, you know, Mr. Uh, greedy uh, draft money bags, uh, OKC over here. Um, Sam Presti? That, Sam Presti. <laughs> uh, has the, the NBA draft tiebreakers tie have been uh, released. Uh, good for Adrian and OKC and Sam Presti. OKC has the tiebreaker um, with Cleveland, which – uh, means they're actually, you know, worst record. They're going to get the four spots, the fourth best odds. Um, Bulls are going to be at eight. Kings are going to be at nine. Pelicans at 10. Hornets 11. Spurs 12 uh, to kind of round out the rest of the lottery. But how huge, Adrian, is it that OKC got slotted into that? Four spot? Well, I think it's a massive deal because um, what – OKC was hoping to do was was hoping to get into the top four. We kind of expected Houston to still get their pick. I think I think they're going to get a top three pick. It's almost guaranteed. Um, but getting getting ourselves into the top four, that means that we have a much higher chance of of actually being in the top three. There's a big drop off between the top three, really the top four, and everybody else. Um, and I'm, I'm very happy that OKC landed in the top four because had we landed five, there's a very real chance we could have slipped to like eight. Um, 
And then you have the eighth pick and like the 18th pick with the Miami Heat's pick as well. And that's that's the worst case scenario for OKC. So um, big deal, not only for OKC, but for uh, Cleveland, for the Bulls, which could become, I think, Orlando's pick um, if it's outside of the top four. So um, there, there's a lot that that's going on with the draft this year. There's just a lot of switching situations. I mean, if Houston's pick falls out of the top, so falls out of the top four, it become, it becomes OKC's. So like there, there, <laughs> there's, there's just, there's a lot um, that's going into this draft in terms of, you know, pick swaps and all of that sort of stuff. So it'll be something to keep track of as we move forward. But as of right now, it's just a slightly big deal that OKC won that out over the Cavs. I was about to say, Adrian's anticipation gets to build slightly and just skyrocket the closer and closer that we get to the draft. This is, this is the most I've ever studied prior to an NBA draft because, well, not, yeah, it is the most I've ever studied prior to an NBA draft um, just because OKC is so involved and we haven't been involved since back in like 2008, 2009. So, which is um, a testament to y'all's success. Right. So, um, but to wrap things up, we actually, as a, as a huge surprise, because we haven't talked uh, this in a, in a few weeks, uh, we actually have NFL news that we need to at least mention for a little bit uh, this week. Um, if you don't know what I'm alluding to, uh, Julio Jones um, went on to Undisputed um, with uh, Skip Bayless and um, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Uh, and Shannon Sharp made a phone call to Julio, which it was unclear whether Julio knew he was live on air or not. I don't know if we're going to get into that or not, but he basically was like, yeah, I'm out of Atlanta. Um, what that actually means is that according to, you know, Adam Schefter, the, the NFL insiders, uh, Julio Jones has put in the trade request uh, a couple months ago, um, has been looking to get out of Atlanta. Atlanta respects him. He's been a huge part of their franchises trying to find good options. Uh, but ultimately Atlanta wants a first round draft pick. And so far no one has offered that uh, in return for Julio Jones. Um, so I guess I posed two questions to y'all. One, what was y'all's reaction, just gut reaction to, to what happened? And two, do we think this guy is actually going to move out of Atlanta? Because uh, my gut says that he's going to be in Atlanta at the, at least the start of next season. But uh, y'all might feel differently. I'm not surprised, but I'll let Joe go first. Um, I don't think he's going to be in Atlanta. Um, I think they desperately want him, and I think they fooled themselves into a false sense of security, which is why they restructured Matt Ryan's contract in this very win-now mode. They drafting win-now, this, that, and the other, and now their best asset doesn't want to be there. And I'm like with Adrian, I'm not surprised that he doesn't want to be there. It's not been a fun place to play. His prime is being wasted. Um and yeah, they sh definitely should have won a Super Bowl, but they didn't. And you know what? Mostly making a Super Bowl usually is a good mark on your career. And it's kind of a laughing stock for all those Atlanta players, unfortunately, because it's the biggest choke in maybe the history of sport. Um, it, it's, it's tough. And um, I think uh, what I'm bummed about is I think that means he's going to end up on one of these teams I'm not so fond of, like the Browns or the Patriots. 
which would be, ooh, <laughs> um, I don't know how or what, but I think the problem is you mentioned there, Turner, that they want a first-round pick. Of course they do. He's a top three wide receiver in, in the league. Why wouldn't you want a first-round pick for a first-round talent? Problem is, that's not how it works. If he desperately <laughs> doesn't want to be there, they don't really have a choice. We've seen it multiple times. A player can force his way out of almost any situation, it would seem. And given that, they have to kind of give to the highest bidder. And often that means making a trade that's not quite up to snuff. I do expect him to get a first-round pick, but I wouldn't be shocked if they ended up letting him go for two seconds. Yep, I, I, um, I'm very much in agreement with Jonah. And I don't know if, if, if either of you guys have a team that you want him to go to or a team that you think should trade for him. But as soon as I saw the news, my first thought was, Jesus, Green Bay needs to send a first round or send two seconds or whatever Atlanta wants. Send it now. Send, get yourself Julio Jones alongside Devontae Adams. Um, and Aaron, I think that would make Aaron Rodgers reconsider everything that, that's kind of been but, going on the past few months. I, I don't necessarily, I don't know if I even want to see, like, I, I'm not a Green Bay fan. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I want to see Julio Jones in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. But if I am Green Bay, that that was my first thought. I was like, can can Green Bay do something right? Go ahead, Jonah. Um, well, uh, one, Green Bay has $2 million in cap space, um, and they would have to get rid of someone that's like mm, Aaron Rodgers uh, <laughs> to, to sign Julio Jones or something of that, something, you know, uh, or maybe, I don't know, Devontae Adams. Uh, they don't, they can't afford him. They would have to dump one of their players that would make them um, almost worse because Julio would have to adapt to the scenario. Um, that'd be tough. They would have to give up a major asset because they're in a bit of fiscal hell, which is part of the reason Aaron wants out of there on top of a lot of things. Right. Um, and uh, two, yeah, I, you said, I'm not sure if you guys have a place you want to go. I absolutely do. And um, it's going to make Turner soul crush. And I th- that San Francisco. I would love seeing Julio Jones and give your young quarterback, Trey Lance, um, who will most likely be starting at least by the fifth or sixth game of the season, in my opinion. Um, give him a, a number one, a without a doubt, number one. And if you pair him with someone like Ayuk and a few of these, and, you know, a few of these other, at Kittle, some of these other stars, boy, that'd be nasty. And I think they can actually physically make it work. That would be awesome for me. My my second thing about Aaron Rodgers was I wasn't actually prepared to bring him into this conversation, but I mean he was on Sports Center last night saying that it wasn't actually about the draft pick fiascos, that it was more about the culture in in Green Bay or the lack thereof from the front office. So I don't know if if you're Green Bay and you're hearing that from your superstar, if you even if you could make it work money wise, if you if you even pull the trigger on that, if he's saying those things. Right. Um but as far as a team I want to see him go to, um, I've been pretty t- torn. I mean, obviously, no way I want him on the 49ers or anything like that. Um, y- you know, people have mentioned the Browns. And unlike Jonah, I, I wouldn't really mind that. But I also wonder if the Browns really, you Need know, him? 
need that. They have Jarvis <laughs> Landry. They have OBJ. Um, they have weapons. I don't know if they necessarily need him um, either. Honestly, if I think about teams that need a guy like Julio Jones, I desperately want to see him on the Ravens. Yep. The Ravens need a wide receiver, and they – should get a wide receiver to help Lamar Jackson out. So if I just off the cuff want to see him on a team, I want to see him on the Ravens. I don't know if they have the cap to make it work, but I mean, come on, <laughs> get that man, someone other than Mark Andrews uh, to throw to. But yeah, I, I'm very much in agreement with you there. I think the Ravens are the most intriguing. Like if I had to pick one team that I wanted Julio to go to, I think I'd pick Baltimore because it, it just, it makes sense. And it's something that you, you Julio's probably the most athletic wide receiver we've seen enter the league since Calvin Johnson, or may, he might even be more stupid athletic than Calvin Johnson. Like Julio's in that upper, that top elite tier of like top five most athletic wide receivers we've ever seen. And then you have Lamar Jackson, who is a, one of a kind um, in terms of, what he brings as a quarterback. So I think those two as a dynamic duo, plus you throw in the running back situation. I mean, they, they, they have a solid offensive team already kind of surrounding him. Julio Jones makes them a very, very, not very good, but they're a much better offensive team. The only other team that I would be curious to see, um, and it has been mentioned because AJ Brown apparently reached out to Julio Jones is the Tennessee Titans. Um, apparently AJ Brown reached out to Julio and said, Hey, if you want to take the number one job here, I'll be your number two, like just come and hang. I will have a great time. And honestly, if he showed up in Tennessee, that would be a scary roster. I don't know if the cap space would work, but I, yeah, I haven't looked into that, but I, I would, I would love both of those options. I just hope that he wouldn't be sucked in at Tennessee with another quarterback situation that's like good but just not good enough to to get him there i at least have more faith in, in lamar jackson as as a top quarterback option um and another one for young quarterbacks that are you know that could use a boost he's not getting necessarily as young as the other guys but carson wentz could definitely use some weapons in indianapolis um and i think they probably could move some things around and you know um that was also meet one of atlanta's needs of another thing we see teams do and in my mind absolutely stupidly take a discount for getting the player out of the conference who gives a damn if you might play him once a year i mean it's not it's not that big of a deal like he's gonna be causing you terror anyway as long as you don't trade him to another nfc south team who who cares right Teams do it all the time, though, and I could see him sending to someone who seems kind of nonsensical almost, like someone like a Colts, who you're not thinking about too much. But uh, yeah, that could even be a landing spot. Um, there's a lot of places he could go. I'm, I'm fascinated, and I, I think there was rumors about them trading him, and I think that came from the fact they knew he wanted out. And now it's just – we've never seen a player so – publicly kind of be like yeah i'm gone like (laughs) it was bananas and now whether i'm not sure if they've cleared up whether he knew he was on broadcast or not uh i'm very much angry if he didn't uh yeah because that's why we 
That's why they players give those access, and that's how Woj gets all these slips and things. You got to trust journalists and people in the media when you can. And if he was doing that for a few clicks, uh, that that's not good. <laughs> that's not great. He's too important of a personality for that. Um, I'm talking about Shannon, but regardless, yeah, I have no idea exactly where he'll land. There's a lot of potential suitors, and uh, no one's gonna say no. Unless it's straight up can't afford them. So, yeah, I, I as I was sitting here thinking about it, I would say he's not going to get traded. But then I thought about the fact that again, we've never heard a player say, "Yeah, I'm out of there" on live TV to the media in the middle of the off season. It's hard to remedy that, and I think even if they don't get what they want, I mean, the Texans gave away DeAndre Hopkins for not a first rounder, and that was a terrible trade, but they did it. So. The Falcons organization doesn't strike me as all that more put together than than the Houston Texans anyway. Um, you so. can say that, but the one difference is Bill O'Brien is one of the worst managers of sport in um, that is I've ever that is also life. very true. That is also and Jack true. Easterby is also uh, sent from hell to destroy that franchise. So as bad as the Falcons are and as embarrassing they are, they don't have those two. So you're right. At least that is sigh relief there. That is a very, very good point. Um, but I think that that perfectly transitions us uh, into uh, my music rec uh, to Jonah this week. Uh, Jonah, why don't you give it to the people? Well, yeah, you sent it. You sent it to AJ and I today. I, as many of you guys know, Turner is a man of many talents, and one of those is he is uh, fluent in French. Um, so he sent us a few Chatatons, uh, new, uh, amazing album that they released, uh, fantastic kind of art, pop, rock, indie, whatever the hell you want to, you know, new chasson, maybe even if you're really getting that fancy with it, um, band's been kind of working out for a few years now, but they really burst on the scene by getting a few major reviews and, uh, the song in particular, he said it was a nine minute doozy, but I listened to the album today and it's it's fantastic. Good job, Turner. Of course. You know, we, we can't just keep all of our all of our recommendations domestic. So I uh, gotta gotta let the people branch out every every now and again. Uh, yeah, but that'll well, do it. given that maybe you may just go ahead and send us out all Francais, you know what I'm saying? Because oh, I mean oh, are you too humble? Not doing that. <laughs> we're, we're You're just not. too humble. Okay. I'm too. I'm too humble. Okay. Can't can't wow the people with with uh, with the French accent on the on the pod. But uh, for real, y'all, that's gonna do it uh, for us here on the Flight School Podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at flight underscore pod. Um, y'all have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, ciao. Au revoir. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>